0: My name is Megan. I have always been kind of into fitness. I played softball growing up, fell in love with it. Um, I went to school, college for nursing, dropped out of college because my sister was like, why are you doing this? I told her I was safe and it felt like it was what I was supposed to do. So then she had me come work for her as a coach because I really was into fitness and I loved it. And then I started training in person. Um, opened up a gym, went to the online world, was in bodybuilding throughout all of this time. I have, uh, I'm nervous. (laughs) Uh, Why
1: are you nervous?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't know.
1: No, you don't have to be nervous about anything. Uh, I know that it's often really weird to talk about yourself and your accomplishments, but like- (laughs) You're, you're a pretty accomplished person. Like you're pretty successful despite having dropped out of college and listened to Aaron, even though listening to Aaron is usually (laughs) for you, but no, I I think that we can definitely just start from like the ground up. Right. So what was the motivation outside of Aaron for actually college and like taking that risk on yourself. So before entrepreneurship, you took a gigantic risk dropping out of college and pursuing something like what, motivated you or convinced you to do that
0: Uh, something in my gut was just telling me that like working in a hospital and doing what i was going to school for wasn't what i really wanted to do i saw my dad he was an entrepreneur my sister was in the world of doing that i was watching her but i just felt like i couldn't do that and with aaron my sister telling me that there was belief that I could do what she was doing and when she was just asking me questions and interrogating me on how I was in school for for safety I I really got to see that I wanted to go after that and and try it on my own so I just took the leap of doing it and since doing that I was able to dive into the world start coaching and then once I got like a little bit of getting to experience what it was like to do it I was like oh okay I will always be able to be an entrepreneur. I will always find my way through doing this. But the original like cutting to being able to say, Can I do this? Yes or no? Should I go the old programming was terrifying.
1: Yeah. I I think that I've had a few instances in my life where like I've had to really like make a yes or no black and white decision where it's like I'm either doing this or not doing it. And yeah. like those are always like really, really terrifying decisions, obviously. But like dropping out of school, it feels like for me that's something I would have never done because like you said there is that safety and there's like there's almost that like that necessity feeling where you're like I have to do this right like if I don't do this then I'm already a failure like that's how I would have felt back then and like what was that next step for you after you did drop out so you worked for Erin and you coached for her and we could probably just like skip that because that's not as But like when did you decide to actually like start your own business and like you mentioned opening a gym and like when was that so
0: i i I only worked with my sister for a little bit but it was great to open me up to being like oh this is possible so i was training at an la fitness at the same time that i was working with my sister and then i started i that's when i actually met you i brought people over to diamond fitness and i was training there um and I started to, like, just have more and more of a clientele in person and building that out. And then after I was working at um, my sister's gym, Diamond Fitness, and I had my my people, I opened up my own gym because I was like, oh, this is fun, like, to see how you can create your own facility. I wanted to chase that. I felt that was the dream to have in your own gym. Like, it was just like, oh, if you have your own gym, you've made it. Like, that's the, that's the hierarchy of being a personal trainer. And then I found out it wasn't like it was. Not fun at all.
1: Hounding <laughs> gym is so hard. Like, uh, we're both friends with Eric Miller and he owns yeah. Four Barbell. And every time i have in there, I'm like reminded how little I ever want to own a gym. Like, I never want to do it. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. Like, whenever I was a young personal trainer and I was interning and I was doing group classes and, you know, I was working for minimum wage, like, that felt to me like the pinnacle of like what the career path would be.
0: Yeah.
1: And like, whenever we met, you were were you like mostly you're fully online back then, right like you never really did too much in person,
0: no, I did quite a bit in person I was fully in person for three years I think
1: really yeah, why do I feel like you were always online
0: Maybe- um I was taking some online clients at the time when I was at diamond fitness uh but I always so when I was in college, I was also documenting my entire fitness journey when i was going through school, I kind of did this like gym douchebag of being like, "Oh, I'm in school. I'm working. Look at me, meal prepping everything. I'm better than you. I'm just, I'm just gonna relax on you on Instagram."
1: Megan <laughs> in
0: was the ultimate IG that, back in the day. That was me, and I I started that though and I was posting because that was also something my like Aaron was big back in 2013 on the fitness world of Instagram, and I was like, "Oh, I should probably just start documenting." my life too it seems like that's the way to do this i'm really grateful that i did because i got to take people with me from being in college and all the way through that entire fitness journey but i wasn't taking clients i was just being a douchebag and flexing on people for quite a while
1: (laughs) maybe that's why i thought because like you you built like a relatively large following like like pretty early on right
0: i had um i got 30,000 around like in about like a three-year period of of growing it from college to when I opened my gym I was like around there and then after um, I moved to Austin it climbed from like 30 up to around 90,000 at that point
1: yeah I do remember that I remember that you had that explosion and at that point we knew each other but like how did that if it did how did that affect like your life at all because I mean for me I'm like just a little fish in a big pond whenever it comes yeah. to social media, but even something from like 30, <laughs> 30,000 to like 90,000, a hundred thousand like that. There's a lot of people looking at you all the time. Like, you yeah. know, did it affect your life in any meaningful way?
0: I definitely became addicted to the decline and the chase and status that found a lot of validation through that. Uh, anything can become addiction. I realized that very quickly with it and I felt like I hacked the algorithm like that was my that was my vice it was how do I keep playing this game and there was so many videos that I would have that would hit a million views back in the day with, with how the algorithm was working with swipe videos it was just it was intoxicating so yeah there was a period of time where I had to do a decent amount of shadow work after it to see that I was thinking my worth was oh my social media is no longer growing because it went so fast does that mean that I self as a person does that mean that like I'm now like losing in life because I put so much into that and that was definitely awesome to see and it was um it was very addicting too. like I, I feel a lot of that yeah was there like a, a
1: lot of I mean speaking personally i I could see how this would happen with me was there like a lot of identity conflict going on there between like what was happening in the real world real world versus like your online persona
0: yeah yeah i felt i created a niche for myself that i couldn't then come outside of the box like that was hard to not conform to anytime i would show up because it was like okay if i show up this way people may uh they may unfollow me or they may like that i'm not on the pedestal that they once put me on and that was that was terrifying and now i love taking myself off the pedestal that people put me on but for a while it was it was really terrifying
1: yeah and like for me again just speaking from my personal experience and just kind of like my perspective on how i would approach some of these things from a very different level because obviously like i don't have the same amount of followers that you have so it's not the same amount of eyes. But it's still kind of like you feel a little bit of pressure to, like you said, continue to put on a front, put on a little bit of an act, especially if what you've done or what you've been in the past is like no longer who you are. Like for me personally, I used to be so fitnessy like that used to be my entire life. Like everything yeah. that I thought of was training, was nutrition, like was how, what I'm going to do tomorrow in terms of training and nutrition like how I'm
0: going
1: to get bigger. Yeah, like how I'm how I'm going to get bigger, stronger, like all of these mm-hmm. that's all I really cared about. And um a lot of the audience that I built was back then. It was whenever I was really focused on those things because I was, you know, posting a lot of videos of me doing like impressive stuff in the gym. And now that's like not at all what I care about. Like yeah, I still want to be healthy. I want to like look good. I want to be strong, but I have interests that are like so far beyond fitness.
0: Yeah.
1: But there is still often that pressure to like post fitness shit because of the audience that I have and who I know that they are. Yeah. I'm sure that you feel that very strongly even now, even though you are still like kind of rounding that, that corner, like you said, you're getting to know, mm-hmm. like I'm very comfortable with who I am, but do you still yeah. feel that pressure sometimes?
0: Kind of. Uh... Yeah, I have pressure on thinking that there's other, there's other coaches talking in a certain way and the way I'm doing something may not look that and I'll, I'll go into my own cycle of feeling imposter syndrome and what I'm doing because it's not matching with somebody else that's in my eyes successful is doing and feeling if I am, if I'm doing it wrong is like the question again and again, asking, asking that.
1: Well, one thing I've always noticed about you, um, whether that was me watching and observing you from more afar or as we've gotten closer, become more friends, is that you have always just kind of figured out a way to do things your own way. And I've noticed that especially much more recently. So I think we can probably talk about like metanoia, which what your was that your that wasn't your first business because the gym was your first business. But, yeah. but. no,
0: my I my first business was Megan's Megan's personal training.
1: <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> very creative <laughs> and like, then
0: i was like this this knee was long we should probably do something about it so we we took it down to megan's pt um <laughs> that was the next one awesome <laughs> like Love it. um and yeah i had i had those and i was on my solo journey of of doing that and then I joined forces with my ex-partner, and we had a team together with assistant coaches, and that was cool. And I, I I saw like how like how fun it was to do it with other people and to have assistant coaches. And then uh, broke away from that, started my own um, started my own coaching again. That's when Metanoia was born. After. Three, three different, Are already three different businesses and at this point before.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like Metanoia was the one that really kind of like, that was your own. I feel like you more or less like poured yourself into Metanoia mm-hmm. compared to what you had previously done. And, yeah. and I definitely associate you much more with Metanoia. Well, back then I did. Um, now obviously you're pivoting, but do you want to just kind of talk about like what Metanoia was? how you built it, what you tried to build it into, and then maybe just tap in a little bit into like what didn't work with Metanoia and like why you decided to to move on.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Metanoia, my my baby with that, it's the idea that the name behind it is um, coming out of darkness and finding your light. And in that, I, for, I had my first assistant coach for the first time that I was taking under my wing and I was still coaching for a while. And then over time, I started to see how many amazing different practitioners I could bring into this that would be assistant coaches that had an amazing set of skills like outside of what I had to offer. So I brought in a dietitian or a soon-to-be dietitian at that time. I brought in Annabelle, who you know, the um, she has kinesiology and just like a whole different array of women. And in doing that, we got to build a sweet team together, and I stepped into uh, being the CEO. Got out of coaching completely with it, and it was it was awesome to to see the community and to see how big it was. And I felt a lot of like, wow, I did this when I was looking at Mennoit to see see all of the the women that we were helping and supporting, and I was in a role with it where I being a business owner and being the CEO and no longer like being in the journey with people felt I had lost my, my passion, my purpose for what I was doing. I was, I was helping with like getting clients in and and, like somewhat like assisting with the coaches, but I wasn't in the journey anymore with anyone. So I started to just notice where I was dropping the ball quite a bit throughout like being the CEO. I wasn't wanting to show up for things. I was wanting to just like, shut everything down and I, w- I was having that come up for me because i was torn I, I didn't let it go i saw also the ability to scale it it was coming closer to like being a seven figure business and that was a big win and there was all of these pieces where it was i, I wanted to hold on to it so closely but i knew that my heart just wasn't in what i was doing so uh about a year ago (laughs) um actually yeah a little over a year and a half ago um just sat down with each of the coaches we were able to both like connect into and they, they could feel that too like they they felt like where i was at they were also clients of mine they'd be like they were friends and we just all parted ways with knowing that like we wanted to all do what felt best for each of us and after that my creativity exploded because I was able to see that I could go back into coaching and I could I could build something with not abandoning myself anymore. But it was hard to let go. It was really, really tough to let go because that was my baby. Like it was so special to me.
1: How long was it from the time whenever you really started to notice being disconnected until you actually like made that decision to move on? Mm-hmm estimate that I know you're not gonna be perfect with it but
0: yeah I I don't think I was telling myself like for a while there was just it was subconscious things that I was doing I had a I had a virtual assistant at the time where I would just give everything to her I wouldn't really want to look at anything I would find myself uh, like coming to what I was doing with work and being withdrawn and being very avoidant style to to stuff. So I don't know when that realization of me doing it came about, but I would say I still existed in it for about three, two, three three months of knowing that I needed to let it go. And just a, like my avoidant attachment style and that became so strong. I, I was like, well, I can't, I can't let that go. I'm going to just keep it over here and it should be fine, but probably for about two, two months.
1: Yeah. So two months to me is like, nothing because uh, <laughs> I, I, like in my own situation um like i'm sure a lot of people probably understand this but like i mean i've gone back and forth with like my circumstance to be like do i want to continue doing this forever like can yeah. i this forever do i want to do something different and i've had these thoughts for like quite a while even back in 2021 where i was like my sole goal was like trying to like accelerate and scale the business was like i just want to be able to get out yeah and, And I've luckily been able to move on from that. Um, I don't still have those same feelings, but like I feel like two months from the time you start really feeling yourself pulling away to like actually make that decision is like ridiculously fast to make a really big decision like that. Yeah, like that's that's impressive.
0: Yeah, I I, and there was also just like I it was existing in my entire body. I could feel like I, I was. I was losing myself in it. It got to the point where I didn't like know who I was. And I would rather have had absolutely nothing than be in that place anymore. And I just I could feel the feeling of letting everyone around me down. And that sucked. And I had I had to get rid of it. Like I had to do something to not feel like I was doing that anymore.
1: What was the process of you actually deciding to pull away then? So I mean, if you just say, I want to walk me through that, like, what did that look like for you? Because it's not as easy as like, Hey guys, I'm quitting today because you have clients that you still have to take care of. Like there's a lot of dependencies there. So like it like high level, obviously, if you just want to like walk me through what that looked like for you and like maybe how long it took you to actually be able to finally break, break free of metanoids where you could like start focusing on doing your next venture, your next project.
0: Yeah, I had uh individual calls with each coach and just i i told them where i was at asked them with where they were at uh and we were able to establish with like, the entire idea we all came to just be like the best thing to do would be to allow the client to go with their coach that they are working under um we use trainerize as our training app so i was i paid for their trainerize app while they took the clients under metanoia so that we kept the same like the pricing of everything until that client finished out their contract and they just like it was the clearest cut for the client to be able to go with their coach still use the same training software finish out the contract and then they got to resign with their coach under their coaching program that they built out at that time uh it went really smoothly like Pretty much every single client went with their coach, and it was it was all fine. and it really it really did feel like there was one day of setting down, having everything done, moving everything around, and then it was gone really quick.
1: <laughs> and at that point you you weren't coaching clients, right?
0: No, no, not at that point.
1: So you basically went from stable income stable relatively stable business to like correct me if I'm wrong but like nothing yeah so yeah, yeah like that's <laughs> that's ballsy like really fucking ballsy like that's kind of crazy to me to think about that um I mean just kind of going back to you deciding to drop of college and like take a chance on yourself you doing this take another yeah, risk. Like, like I'm a waiver apparently like apparently I'm not good at making our decisions (laughs) um, like I mean I know other things with you were like you're very definitive in your decision making which is like amazing and yeah I mean I'm just kind of mind blown because I didn't realize even with how well we know each other that it was like that fast yeah that's that's crazy yeah
0: I mean if I have something in my in my body my intuition that's telling me that it needs to be be addressed i feel like i
1: really don't want to sit with that but i appreciate the recognition well oh yeah well what was the 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 next phase of this process like like well what did the next six months look like for you um did you really take some time to like refine who megan is and what megan wants or did you just jump right back into all right this is what i'm doing now i know who i am i know what i'm trying to do i know what my purpose is Like what, what did that next phase look like for you?
0: Yeah. So I had to find who I was again, quite a bit. I learned throughout having metanoia that I took myself as, because I was with other experts as I don't really know anything. These people that I've brought in know everything. And I lost a lot of, am I a good coach? Can I actually help people? and i had to rediscover how do i how do i really help people what is what is the strength in me as a coach because i'm not a dietitian i'm i'm not helping people with their strength training in this way like how do i actually coach so i took time of really distilling down what is my superpower of of connecting with people and i asked some friends around me, like, what do you see with my my gift when you're in a conversation with me to feel what I'm, what I'm bringing? And I just got to witness how, even with my assistant coaches, with my clients in the past, my overarching thing was I speak so much belief into people and I hold them to their truth. And that's what I do as a coach. I, I ask somebody about their truth and I, and I call them up to that again and again. So brought on a new client after closing down Metanoia. I was so scared like I've worked with thousands of people at this point but I was so scared with this one client and I put so much of my worth into if I can't help her to be successful then I I'm bad at this I I don't know what I'm doing anymore uh but it went amazing it was a different type of transformation that I had never experienced at all with a client where everything in her life changed it wasn't just like back in my day when i megan's personal training i was only helping people to drop body fat and build muscle uh and that was really just do this do this do this and then it was this client actually holding space on calls and letting her go through her process asking her questions and seeing how freaking good i was at challenging challenging people and calling them to that and i I love it <laughs> so much and that's what I built that's um turned into after that client I was like okay I'm building a brand with this like I'm stepping into what is what is the overall feeling and my client at the time I was asking her after we had went through them I asked what's and what's alive in you from doing this work together and she said everything in my life feels nourished and I said I love that so much I've Feel that, like I feel the nourishment in you. That's the transformation that's happened. And I'm a Leo. My you're a Leo. My sign is lioness. I love the symbol of lioness. So that's when I created my company to be the Nourish Lioness and reclaimed what I what I wanted to coach with.
1: That's a perfect pivot. And <laughs> so now your new company, new business, mm-hmm. Nourish Lioness. What are you trying to accomplish with this, like? obviously the goal is much less superficial than losing body fat. you know, feeling good in the gym, getting stronger because that's kind of the world I live in. Right. I don't say superficial necessarily, but it's, it's very much surface level in terms of like the way the coaching is done. And it's, it's definitely not fulfilling every single day, you know? And, what you're doing now is taking a slightly different approach. It's it's taking a Megan approach, which is <laughs> obviously uh, against the grain. So I would love for you to explain what you're trying to do and like where you see this business kind of going in the future.
0: Yeah, I am still refining this every every day. I feel with with my women, um, I've gotten my roster completely filled to this. I feel I'm still doing some case study on on what the overall like what we're building into it's only been like a, a year now back into doing this but i was building this out with the retreat that i want to host in august and thinking on to like what is the feeling and i think that i really want to show people how to feel uncomfortable to feel comfortable like what are the things in your life that you're not wanting to face and being able to just lean in so that you can actually expand yourself to having so much more in your life, because I see that being the common theme of there's something here, but we're going to ignore it. And I want I want to like call people to not ignore things that are actually feeling wrong inside of them and being able to to see that there's more, if, they, if they're willing to look and connect and not gaslight themselves and shut themselves out in any aspect.
1: <laughs> How are you going about doing that now? You mentioned a lot of like the calls. Mm-hmm whenever you and i had talked previously you had mentioned you have all these calls with all of your clients and like they're very emotional they're very heavy but they're also very rewarding like do you want to just kind of like walk me through like what a typical day or week might look like with you and like what you're doing now with your clients
0: yeah i do a lot of connection calls with my clients we do check-ins and there is the overarching thing of health so i break it down into pillars of how your life is going to make you feel the most nourished. It's taking care of your nutrition. It's taking care of the way that you do movement, looking into your period of health, looking into your relationships, um, your self-confidence, how you t- talk to yourself. And with each of these different pillars, uh, they're, they're checking in with me. They're answering questions, letting me know how they're feeling. But when we get on the calls, it's just what's alive for you right now. And we go through wherever somebody is at, there's something that is feeling possibly a little malnourished for them. And we're trying to get the entire system. If your relationship is causing you to feel whatever it may be, then that's what we're going to to be addressing and making sure that we're getting you back to a place, formulating habits and how how we're going to take care of that. Uh, And just really being able to say like, And this is something that I feel right now is kind of pulling me down and let's, let's sit with it.
1: Do you feel like that's been uh, an easy transition, like a natural transition for you to make going from, I guess, like the more quantitative way of coaching, where you're looking at numbers you're giving people macros, you're looking at spreadsheets versus now it's very much like you're connecting with your clients. I can answer this for you because I know who you are, but do you feel like this has been a natural transition?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was good at like helping people to body recomp and, and change themselves in that way. And I still am like, I still help in that aspect, but I always wanted to talk to my like that when I was doing that, I wanted to talk to my clients more. And I had this feeling of, I can't, I can't talk to them about that thing. Cause that's not why they are hiring me. And now it becomes like, you know how I want to ask so many questions. And I have this little sister energy of wanting to know everything about somebody, <laughs> Yeah, i know that so yeah it makes me feel really like i get to i get to be the coach that i've always wanted to and what i'm doing now because I, I build this out to be able to do that
1: and that's really a conflicting way of coaching compared to like what i see on a daily basis because in i guess in, not my world necessarily because you're still in this world but like I work with a very specific type of population and like the coaches that do similar things to what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. it's very very much like a don't ask questions, don't continue like these long email thread conversations. Like if you want to get on a call, like pay $100 for my my call fee, like it's very restricted in the way that Mm -hmm. communication is done. And a lot of that communication is through data. It's through numbers. Yeah a lot easier to measure and track and honestly it's a lot easier to progress it's you you know what you're doing especially like i know what i'm doing whenever i'm looking at spreadsheets Mm -hmm. whenever it comes to like jumping on a call and like assessing someone's like their actual emotional state like i would struggle with that yeah i know for you like that's a very natural thing for you because you're a prober and like you ask a lot of those fun (laughs) you get (laughs) talking and you make people talk about things that they're not necessarily comfortable talking about which, better for worse, like that is kind of a superpower, you know, like allowing people to feel comfortable talking about a lot of those deeper things. It's yeah. like that's really, really challenging, especially for someone who they might not really know that well. Like for a mm-hmm. lot of clients, they're probably not like your best friend, you know, yeah. you have good relationships with them, but it would be different from like you and I having a conversation yeah. who you know, you maybe have been working with for a month and that they don't really know you that well so like how do you build that trust with your clients initially obviously over time it becomes a lot easier but like initially how do you allow those clients to feel comfortable with you to open up and know that like you're going to be able to be there for them in the way that you that they need you to be there for them
0: yeah that's a good question i lead with a lot of vulnerability i make sure that everything i'm being a mirror to them is I I would hope for them to have permission to do the exact same if they have found me through social media or if they're talking to me about anything in my life I don't I don't play this role with a client where I am authoritarian I will I will be in a really vulnerable spot and naturally I feel people just will I, I hear a lot I don't I I haven't told anyone this but you. I don't know how you're getting me to tell you all of this right now. And I think it's just because of the vulnerability that I'm displaying back has been really helpful.
1: Yeah, and that vulnerability is like really apparent if someone looks at your social media too. Um, Like, I don't know if you want to kind of go into some of that, some of the ways that you've been vulnerable on social media and like when you started to realize that like this was something that you should actually start pursuing rather than a lot of people really like push that down. Like they try and Mm -hmm. troll the narrative of like who they show on social media because it is something that you can control in a lot of ways. Yeah. I feel like you more than a lot of people have kind of embraced like the, the more vulnerable, sensitive and potentially difficult to talk about things Mm -hmm. about who you are whenever it comes to your relationship, your body image issues and things like that and like how how do you allow yourself like go to those places and talk about those things publicly and then like when did you start doing that
0: yeah I really started doing that right when I was building Metanoia I had ended the relationship and that I had the team with and I felt Okay, I have up until this point, my entire identity was even growing, like I was saying with social media was I posted workout videos, I posted me getting super shredded for competitions and everything was so fitness related. If you came to my page, that was what you're gonna find. And then I had my entire identity of, of leaving the team to start my own and I felt like no one really knew me online. And no one was, like, able to see me. So I I started talking at that point of the relation, like, ending the relationship, trying to rediscover myself. And the feedback of, for the first time doing that, seeing how people wanted to talk to me differently felt amazing. It was the first time online that I actually felt like people could have a, have a real conversation with me. Not just how, how'd you get shredded, like what what do you do to that? and it was it felt for the first time like social media became something to me where i felt like i had a friend i had i had true connection on social media because up until then I, I was just thinking social media is this toxic place there is nothing but people having fake lives because i had a fake life on social media and when i made that i, I no longer wanted to show that i was having this fake life i wanted to show the pain of heartbreak and i wanted to finally bring to social media what i always wanted to see on social media but i was terrified up until then until I, until I saw like this is awesome to to perceive that
1: well one thing that i've i think really despised about social media for a long time is how transactional it feels actually mm-hmm. if you're someone who is trying to advertise or like promote your business in any way like fitness is is a really apparent example like if you're a coach like you're going to post content you're going to make educational posts you're going to post videos of you training you're going to post you know pictures of your client transformations and it feels very transactional it's like you're doing this for a reason and and the reason why social media originated was like for people to be able to follow people that they know and that they care about they Mm -hmm. want to see their lives they want to see what they're doing it was never meant to be this transactional thing. It was meant to just be a place where people could post about their lives. Yeah. And even for me, like whenever I post anything that outside know, of fitness these days, I'm like, man, I don't know like how this is going to be received because like this isn't really, you know, why people follow me. Mm-hmm. But for you, it sounds very much like you understood that early on or maybe a few years ago where You're like mm-hmm. can't purely just be like transactional on my part. Like I just want social media to be a place where I can post about who i am what i'm doing outside of fitness outside of the gym the things that interest me and you realize over time that people actually do care about that stuff
0: Yeah, a lot more
1: than you have been like than you initially expected to
0: yeah and it was like why do i want people to follow me if they don't even know who i actually am yeah that was a confronting question of I want you. I want you to follow me because you have this fake idea of who I am that feels terrible. And I went to expos back in the day before COVID and when all of that was happening. And there were so many times I'd go to an expo, and the expos were other fitness influencers wanting to just take a picture at a cross market and not even being friends. Mm-hmm. And it was so toxic culture. But also I was feeding into it because that was the game, and we played into in. It was most mine annoying thing because i would be playing into my social media persona at an expo in person feeling like i was trying to live up to my own standard of what i made myself out to be online that when i was meeting people i couldn't really meet them i i had to play this character and it was jarring for me to to go through it and to see how dis- disconnected i was through that
1: that feels like it would be especially difficult for a woman, but also a woman who has competed and who is like really, really deep into like the fitness world, especially to like maintain your body image, like maintain a specific physique. And I can definitely see like, now that we're having this conversation, how mind fucky that could be whenever you think, or you, you perceive people only following you for that reason for like mm-hmm. your body, especially if you're a woman who like posts your body a lot, right? Yeah. Um, Like I mean, I know of people just off the top of my head where it's like, okay, well, if they're wearing clothes on social media, they're probably not going to get nearly as many likes, nearly as many views as if they're (laughs) in a bikini, right? And I can imagine just like even something as simple as like gaining some weight, how that would just like impact your headspace so much and really, like I said, be like mind fucky. Um, Was was there anything other than – I mean, that's a very tangible example. Was was there anything like that that really made – that whole, like, superficial transactional social media relationship more apparent to you, outside of that, like, the the expos? I
0: don't have... Just feeling, like, I was so lonely all the time with having was all these followers felt like there was a lot of people that were constantly messaging me but I felt so lonely in that that was another gut check for me of, of noticing where I like all these people but yet I don't have anybody that I can truly talk to like that that felt very disconnecting for me
1: yeah and now you're obviously like posting a lot of different things. So you're posting much more about your personal life much Mm -hmm. more about the struggles that you're going through much more about like the things that you're interested in it feels less filtered Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like you're portraying an image outwardly that you want people to see it feels like you're just putting out who you are and even something as simple as like talking about your relationships talking about like getting your breast implants removed Mm -hmm. like those are really really difficult things to talk about for a lot of people But you're very open about that like i I want you to talk a lot about or maybe a little bit more about like the breast implant stuff um maybe not a lot of people really know what we're talking about just alluding to it but what use did you have with your implants why did you get them removed and you know like what were some of the consequences of that like some of the things that maybe you're trying to deal with now to get back to normal
0: yeah uh so Going off of the image idea that I realized I had created for myself, I was able to sit with seeing how much my implants played into the character that I wanted to I wanted to portray. And it was I compete, I have a big chest, I am am in this body that I think is the most socially acceptable for me to get the most likes, to get the most attention. And when I started to see that. I didn't even feel I had a connection to my implants. I didn't have health issues popping up for me with my implants. They were pretty big. They were not comfortable, but they were health-wise actually messing with me. Liz just had complete disconnect for my body. And I wanted to finally like not have something that felt a mask. I kept pulling mask after mask off in my life. And it got to the point with my implants where I was sitting there and I asked myself, is this really, like, do I really have to let these go? I like them. How am I going to be a fem- Like how do I feel feminine if I don't have my implants?" And again, it was probably about another two month period for me of <laughs> deciding that. And I kept getting drawn into, but think of how free you would feel if you didn't have these. Think of how many times you feel people are meeting you and leader, having your tests be like met before they're actually getting to meet you. You can feel inside of yourself that you don't want to even have these anymore. And the only reason that you're keeping them is because fear of judgment and not that they're not even for you. They're like you have something on your body that's not even for you. And that was crippling for me to to know that. And it was also the number one reason that I wasn't it took me a while to finally say I'm gonna get an X plant because I I had to do, and I, I, I had to do so much of the shadow work to see, okay, what if I do all of a sudden feel like I, I don't have any feminineness to okay. me? What What's that going to feel like? What's it going to feel like if all of these people tell me I was way more attractive when I had my implants? What if I, it was just like one thing after the other. What's your worst fear? What's your worst fear? What's your worst fear? I was out with all of it and as most, as most of that I could and then decided that I'm going to do it anyways and once I get there I'll face it at that point and feel into whatever I need but I trust that when I get to that spot I'll be able to hold myself I, tr- I had enough trust to know that I could hold myself together if I started to feel like this was the worst decision ever I would figure it out and how did it go? amazing how <laughs> how
1: yeah, yeah, how was like the the reception and like the feedback from other people because you did post about it online too. So like, yeah, you leading up to it, were definitely like letting people know that this was a thing. Like, hey, like I show up next week and I no longer have gigantic boobs, like, <laughs> you know, like, like Photoshop. So, yeah. um, like, how was the reception? How have you felt since then?
0: Yeah, and I should like I I shared a lot online for not the superficial oh just getting implants out get like that's it it was i want you to know my process of like this was emotional turmoil that i was sitting in for a while and that's what i kept showing up online and talking about again and again because yeah it felt it felt like i was in that world for a while and i got them out um immediately my body responded with saying that was the right decision as soon as i woke up or like i came back to consciousness from my surgery I was immediately able to take a deep breath I felt so much more lightness to myself I didn't have health issues that were really happening like I said but I all of a sudden felt way healthier like things that I didn't understand that maybe I was feeling and I think it was honestly just energetically knowing that I had something that I didn't want I was holding on to it and I released it and that was actually what I started to feel the lightness to in myself and it was right after my
1: surgery and just to clarify, like you're not someone who is like demonizing implants because I feel like this has definitely been something that has kicked back really hard recently because you mentioned you didn't have too many health concerns with the implants. Yeah. There have been a lot of women who have more recently come out, said that their implants have get, made them sick, given them, yeah. like internal issues, they've had them removed. And then they're very much like, get your implants out if you have them, like no one should yeah. ever get implants. It's very much. Like almost this battle going on.
0: Oh, the Facebook group for breast implant removal is the most toxic environment I've ever seen. Don't, if you're thinking, if anybody's listening to this and thinking about removing their implants, don't go to a Facebook group because it's, it's doing exactly what you're talking about. It's demonizing women that have them and telling them what to do. And that's not what I ever want to share in my, in my story. If you have like somebody has implants and they love them it doesn't feel disconnected for them they're not having a health issue great like you can keep your implants do that like i encourage that and i did get pushed back from from that after because i've actually experienced the same thing before removing my implants anybody that had removed them and they were talking about their journey i was triggered by because i had to, i had to face myself in that of their story to say Is it right for me to keep my implants? And I was really triggered that I would unfollow people and say they've lost their mind, like whatever I had to say to make myself feel better. And I've gotten some of that pushback since removing mine and talking about my story. And I see people in that. I was that that same version of feeling triggered at one point. And if you're triggered by somebody's story on it, I would just encourage to ask why you're triggered on something rather than making the person wrong for that.
1: Do you see the parallels with breast breast implant surgery or getting them removed? I don't know why. It's hard for me to say explant. But <laughs> parallels there with like that and also like competing or people who mm-hmm. have stopped competing and then turned to demonize competing. Because for yeah. me, obviously I'm on the outside of the breast implant argument. But for the competing side, like, like, that is so apparent, like, how closely related those two arguments are. Yeah. And, like, ha- you went through both of those. So, like, what yeah. would, like, those parallels are?
0: I think what I noticed a lot is in order for somebody to evolve, they have to hate the thing that they once were, and they have to completely tear it down. Right? All right. But <laughs> so, <I am. laughs> with competing, a lot of people... I went through that experience and then they get to the other side and in order for them to say I am this new identity they have to really it's like hating your ex you have to hate them in order to be the new version of who you are.
1: Yeah, what I you do know, is like I think there's also like this aversion to acceptance that you like fight so hard to actually see like what's going on mm-hmm. Like you, whenever you were going through like these internal deliberations like do I get the ex plant? Like do I keep them? Like what's going on? At some point, you eventually were like, okay, like I'm convinced I need to, I'm going to take these out or you weren't by someone else. You realized that that was something you needed to do. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, there probably is this like pushback, pushback, pushback. And then finally, after a long time, you like quote unquote see the light. And then to continue along that path, you have to demonize like like what you said. You have to like put down everyone who was in this other camp to justify your decision.
0: Yeah, That's-
1: that's very profound megan i appreciate that.
0: <laughs> i mean yeah. when you when you see that you can tell it's and you and um alex talked about this on your podcast until you have forgiveness for that you're just in, you're playing out your unheld version and what you're doing right now and if i had to hate the version of me that had implants i would not be able to just embrace who so i like i love that version of me and i love this version of me i love the journey i went with competing And I'm also really happy to not be competing (laughs) anymore. Like it's just being able to accept that whatever somebody else is doing too, it's for for what is best for them. Trusting that people are doing everything that's perfect for them at the perfect timing of their life and not getting upset on what they decide is best for them.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned Alex and, and Maya's conversation because now it's really apparent whenever you say that how... This pops up in relationships as well. Like whenever you end a relationship mm-hmm. with someone, you have to hate, quote, you have to hate them, right? Yeah. Like the only way that you can emotionally break free of that relationship is to hate them for a while.
0: Yeah. Um, it's
1: a narrative that you tell yourself that that's the only way that you can dissociate from, and that's the only way mm-hmm. that you can break free and get away. Obviously, that's not true, but a lot of people do that because it feels like the easiest severance is. Yeah and not appreciate like all the good things or maintain like some middle ground where Like, you know, we both made mistakes. Like I'm still yeah. friends with them. Like they're a good person. It's like, no, I'm going to delete everything about them. I'm going to block them. I'm going to tell yeah. everyone like all the shit they did to me. It was all their fault. <laughs> because that just feels easier and it feels easier for other people around you to like reinforce everything that you're doing too. And like build an echo chamber around yeah. all the decisions and actions that you're making. No, I can probably like expand this exact thing into a lot of different avenues, but like, just because you said that with with, um, me and Alex, that just immediately popped to mind, but.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was so inspired by you guys because I've done that exact same thing up until my last two relationships. I had to hate that person in order to say that I could then be what I wanted to be. And it, it was a lot easier to hate and to not take any ownership to where that victim at and feel so good, feel validated, and it, like doesn't actually allow for you to to fully heal though until you decide to forgive everything in your past.
1: Well, I mean, just being a passive observer to a lot of your relationships over the past few years, well, I guess not a lot, but at least four that I could think of. <laughs> um, I mean, I, all I, could, I could definitely see how you've matured, and like even before we started recording this, like you. We had a conversation about, like, you know, your most recent relationship and, like, how you approach that, and, like, the relationship that you were still trying to cultivate with him mm-hmm. and how things are not toxic. They're very cordial, like, they're very friendly. Um, and just how I know your previous relationships have gone, like, they've been evolving in a very positive direction. Like, that's, <laughs> you love loving it. Yeah. Uh, but, it up. <laughs> well, I think, I think part of this too, and this is something that I've, I've really noticed is, a lot of like the maturity it stems from like centers of of groups of friends, right like there are a lot of people in the world that would never ever ever be able to be as emotionally mature whenever it comes to like relationships ending mm-hmm. as like you are or like I have been more recently, right, like not always, but more recently um we're getting to that point, but i I think that just who you surround yourself with, it like really filters down towards everyone and everybody kind of has some kind of like role model or some, some ideal to look towards and say, okay, like, this is how I should be acting. Like these are some principles that like I want to adhere to, like when in every relationship and in every friendship, I want to make sure that I'm always like acting this mature. I want to make sure that I'm doing these things that Mm -hmm. everyone else would want to be doing in any kind of interaction. And Mm -hmm. It's definitely not normal. Like sometimes I have to like remind myself that like the way that our friends we interact is not normal. Like like most people aren't like that. Yeah. And-
0: we're lucky we're so lucky the half the friend group that we that yeah. we are in to constantly have conscious communication and, and checking in and, and knowing that every single person around has gonna hold themselves to that standard and check in and take ownership and have difficult conversations. It does it raises you to be someone that in order to keep having that connection, you have to keep doing that same work yourself.
1: Well, I know that we really started hanging around each other a lot more like in 2020. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, 2020-ish around then. Um, but that was around the time for like I was obviously going through a lot of stuff. I was going through a lot mm-hmm. of you know, in my private life. You know, obviously everybody was going through like the COVID catastrophe and all that shit so we're all kind of figuring things out but I remember being like the the 18th wheel or I guess 19th wheel got to be an odd number for all of these like gigantic get-togethers and like couples parties and we're like renting airbnbs and hanging out and spending time with one another and I'm like the only person who was like by myself Mm -hmm. and it was very weird for me but at the same time like I was able to be more of like an observer to everything going on around me and just being around a lot of the people that we're friends with now and like that that we know and that we hang around with, like it was just one of those experiences back then. It was eye-opening for me to just be like, okay, like maybe I should stop being a piece of shit all the time. Like, I definitely don't want to like let all of these people down who yeah. like have higher expectations for me than I do probably of myself, you know? And like there were even conversations that you and I have had in the past few years where I'm like, why the fuck is she even asking me this question? Like, why does like, why, why do you care so much about, about what I'm doing or like my situation? And it can be a little bit uncomfortable Mm -hmm. uh, to surround yourself with people like that, that like genuinely care that genuinely like want you to do well. Um, But I think that that's what you're finding in your work is that we all kind of secretly want that. Like we we want to know that people are going to be there for us, even if you're fucking up. And even if we're like, doing things that we shouldn't or if we're like you know struggling and like for you specifically like that's something that i've always known you to be very very good at is that role of being a listener being like a good question asker like that's probably the absolute wrong way of saying that you ask good questions Uh, (laughs) um but no i think what you're doing now is very much what you should be doing because like for me i'm a a spreadsheet person i'm like Mm -hmm. Like a leave me alone, don't talk to me, like let me work on my computer for hours on end type of person. Yeah, like a connection person. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that like you're able to do what you're doing now.
0: I think you're also sometimes a connection person when you when you want to be. <laughs> no, not true. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Jordan, my brother-in-law. He as you know, but he gave me a reflection. Like this has been. Five five years ago now where he told me my superpower is how curious I am on things. And I really took that and fully accepted that that actually is something that I want to be my superpower. I want to be very curious of everything around me. And I, I think the ability to go in and ask questions and you called it probe people, but I just, I call it just asking questions. <laughs> I think. That, you,
1: yeah. Like the funnel sister energy.
0: It is but it's from love and I I think that when you come into a conversation and you just have pure curiosity for something I'm I'm not attached to whatever like when I talk to you like what you're going to share with me it's just really wanting to understand like just to hear to hear something with where you're at with what you're feeling and I think that that little bit is also like gives me the courage because I just can tap into being like I'm just curious I actually don't have an attachment to anything. If you don't even want to tell me, that's fine. But it's helped a lot to just know that it's not coming. Fr- and I have to check myself with that too. Am I trying to get something out of someone right now by by doing this, or am I actually just wanting to be a witness to them?
1: It's it's really uncommon to have someone be genuinely curious about you. Mm-hmm. I I feel like like in our everyday interactions. It's always again just going back to like I think the term transactional is like appropriate in a lot of ways. It a lot of interactions, a lot of relationships feel transactional. Yeah. And it's very uncommon whenever you have a conversation with someone and you can tell that they're like genuinely curious about what you have to say. And they're asking questions, they're like looking you in the eyes, they're waiting for you to respond. They're not cutting you off. They're mm-hmm. they're leading you on in a way that is like allowing you to get deeper into what you're actually trying to say. Yeah. That's honestly very, very, very uncommon. And I think that's one of the reasons why like every time we've had like those multi hour long conversations, Mm -hmm. every time I leave afterwards, I'm like, what the fuck? Like how, like how did she pull that out of me? You know, (laughs) like it's a, it is a superpower like that, that curiosity, but also the ability to just sit and listen is a superpower. I'm not good at that. Like, I really struggle with that. And that's been one of the things I've been really working at with, like, doing this podcasting stuff is, like, as the host, I'm trying to be better about asking questions and just listening mm-hmm. and interrupting. It's so hard for me. Like, there's, like, this this energy in my stomach that just, like, bubbles up whenever I want to say something. And it's so hard yeah. to repress it. But I feel like for you, like you were in that natural state, just yeah. being that poker, being that little sister and like genuinely being curious about the people that you're talking to, at least from mm-hmm. the perspective I've seen. And I could totally see how your clients would be able to get a fuck ton out of that. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate
0: it. Do you feel it's getting easier for you to ask questions?
1: Um, with some people. Uh, like, I mean, you know, you know me, like I'm very closed off to a lot of people, so whenever I get comfortable with someone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I find that like the conversation is just so, so much easier, but it does take like that initial barrier being broken down until I can actually be comfortable, like having those deeper conversations, listening without interrupting and all of that. I I don't know if this is a, like the right way of saying it, but I feel like especially in a lot of like initial interactions that I have with people, it's very much like me trying to, create some standard like okay like this is how I am mm-hmm. I am someone who's going to be like you know not abrasive in a conversation but I'm definitely going to assert myself in a conversation like I'm not going to allow myself to be talked over like I'm intelligent like notice me like that type of stuff yeah. uh, and then once I get past that point of like necessarily having to like show off for a new person then I feel comfortable to like just be able to settle in and like you know me like in larger group settings i don't talk i just sit there and watch people mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of people who maybe know me superficially would be like that doesn't seem like him at all because i talk a lot yeah whenever i don't know people very well yeah but i feel like my natural state is very like repressed just kind of sit there and watch people just do my own yeah. thing so yeah yeah
0: i know i'll come over to you and i'm like what you doing in the corner <laughs>
1: okay poke me um but no i mean is there anything else that you want to go go over on this because i think that was actually really insightful that was good
0: yeah i i feel pretty good on
1: all of that (laughs) yeah i mean i actually would love at some point to do like another that has like nothing to do with business or work and maybe it could just be about some random bullshit stuff because yeah talk well yeah as well um, that's the better. Yeah. we can first. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think we do better with that. I, if you didn't pick up on the beginning of this, get really nervous when we just dive into pulling apart my life. If it's natural where we can just go back and forth and right. be like, "Hey, what's your philosophy with this and this?" That's awesome. But you were like, "Here, Megan, there's a spotlight." I was like, "I hate every single moment of this."
1: <laughs> I mean, it's either me get the spotlight or you get the spotlight, and not to hit.
0: You yeah. said before you started, you were like, "You're gonna be." Triggered by this because we're gonna have to take the floor. <laughs> I was like, I hate this so much. No,
1: I all right. Before we end this, I am gonna let you plug yourself though, so you can get this about like one more time. Just talk about where people can find you.
0: Uh, Instagram will be the best place for people to find me, and my handle is Megan Davis six <laughs> because my cell phone number used to be number <laughs> six.
1: <laughs> Davis personal training, or no, it's <laughs> Megan clinical <laughs> Training, Megan's <Baggins>, PT, unique <laughs> six. Uh, i think those are all like relatively easy to remember but you don't have to remember the first two anymore um awesome well thank you so much megan and obviously i'll put that stuff in like the show notes and caption stuff so people can find you and they can work with you if they want but i really again appreciate you doing this with me
0: yeah thanks for having me, and this was fun